Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me is Derek Spesh. Hello. What's happening, buddy? Oh, it's a great week, man. You, you were skiing last week. I was. It's actually nice to be back because I was in so much pain. You got old. <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> that's sad, man. Tremblant, uh, that's where I went skiing. It's a big hill. It's much bigger than I'm used to. It's much like I ski at uh, locally at Burmacombe and then go up to Blue Mountain and, and they're they're fairly good hills but Tremblant it's like there's so many black diamonds double black diamonds glades there's so much it's it's a lot of work for a person who do, is not doesn't ski a lot so I'm my ribs actually are still sore on the left side but that's from wiping out way too many times <laughs> I'm telling you you should have just went to the top take a run and dive all the way to the bottom probably would have saved you a lot of hurt there you go <laughs> You had a good time though? Yeah, it was a good week. The weather was fantastic. It was like minus three, minus four degrees, which is unusual uh, that we had hardly no wind. Um, so it was just, it was just warm and there, there was, uh, it was one of those weeks between uh, events and holidays and stuff like that. So it was, uh, there was no lift lines. There was nobody on the hill. Like it, it was very rare that you had any traffic on the hill. So it was fantastic. Perfect time to go. Oh, it was fantastic. It was amazing. Cool. It was cool. a good vacation. Without the family? Without the family, yeah. <laughs> Just me and a bunch of guys from work. And uh, so it was like uh, at one point there was uh, 10, I think, 10 of us. And a couple of the, one guy left early, a couple of guys, other guys could only stay so long because of work. And so I, th- I think at one point we're down to seven. That's still, that's a good group. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Played lots of poker at night and. Beer pong. Yeah. <laughs> no, we didn't play beer <laughs> pong. <laughs> <laughs> okay, glad to it's hear you, uh, you had a, a good time. Yeah, what yeah. else have you been up to? Uh, not too much, really. That's Just much got it. back. Yeah, I, I got back from vacation. Uh, while you were up up uh, off camping and stuff, I was recuperating. <laughs> so I had a slow, nice, and easy weekend, and so it was uh, trying to recuperate so I could get back to work. <laughs> cool, cool. Uh, well, we are now four years old. Hey, yes, We yes. have been doing this show for four years now. Incredible, eh? Yeah. It's 200 and, 209 shows in four years, now 210 going into our fifth year. Yeah. That's uh, ah, a lot of beer we've drank over the years. I know. A lot of people we've <laughs> met and, yeah. you know, a lot of things we've done, which is really cool. It's been quite the so. journey. It has been. It was, uh, I never really knew what to expect from it. I had, you know, I knew it was going to be, could be a task at times, but for the most part, I thought, well, you know, this could be fun. It's like another hobby. I'm inventing, we're inventing a new hobby. But uh, over the years, it was, uh, I think it was like mostly just rewarding. Yeah. Like the, uh, I've never, yeah, I never expected to end up doing a lot of the stuff that we did out of the show. It's like, uh, I've gone on so many trips with people. I met so many new people. It's met some, like the community is fantastic. The, uh, the paddling community, whether you're, you know, kayaking, stand up paddleboard, canoe, it doesn't matter. It's, it's, it's like like-minded people and it's, uh, it's, uh, it's good people. So it's a, it's a fantastic crowd to get to know, to hang around with. So I'm, uh, I'm, I've grown from it. I've learned a lot from it and I met some fantastic people through it. Well, and from all over the world too, man. That's oh really yeah, cool. exactly. That's right? cool. Yeah. 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 I've gotten a lot out of this. I mean, you know, like I say, we don't do it for the money we do because we enjoy it. Um, but yeah, just to meet people and like I said, we got people come from the Yukon, we got people come from Europe, we got people come from, from down in the States and everything to you know, hey, we're passing through. Do we got time to stop and yeah. to chat or meet for dinner? That sort of thing. That's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And like you say, meeting new people and going out on trips with them and, and whatnot has been pretty cool. So awesome. Yeah. Four more years, buddy. Four <laughs> more years. Four more years. <laughs> well, we'll go until we can't go anymore, right? Yeah. Like uh, uh, either, either we run out of material, which I doubt we'll do, or it's just, becomes too cumbersome or, or who knows what, right? We become way too famous for this podcast. Yeah. We'll get on. And we got to move on. Serious XM radio. Yeah. We'll pass this off to somebody else. Yeah. Your new hosts. <laughs> uh, so I spent actually our four year anniversary up on, uh, at winter in the wild on Mew Lake Algonquin Park. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the big, um, winter camping weekend. And we, we went up, Trace and I, my, my wife and I, we went up uh, Saturday morning because it's Saturday, Sunday, Monday, but there's a lot of people that do the head in Friday 
to yes. do four days, yeah. right? They have a bunch of um, uh, demo sites. So people get up there Friday, set everything up, and then they're ready to go Saturday when the people show up. Well, we, yeah, I, I had to work, unfortunately. So we did, we get up there early Saturday morning. But what had happened was when we got up there, uh, of course, everybody's uh, setting up. Camper Christina was right next to us. Okay. Um, Algonquin Outfitters had their little demo site. They had fat bikes and everything else. I like saw all the pictures. All gear that... and everything. Yeah. And they were like right kitty corner to us, yeah. like across across the street from us. Uh, so yeah, people started coming through. Um, Tracy wanted to try a fat bike. Okay. So I said, you know what? While I'm getting stuff unpacked and getting the floor laid and, and the tent up and stuff like that, go try a fat bike. Mm-hmm. Go boogie before the line gets too long. Go try one out. And that was my first mistake. <laughs> she never I, came back. I, I have a feeling we may be buying a fat bike. <laughs> Thank you, Algonquin Outfitters. Um, I did. Hey, I did hang up our Paddling Adventures radio banner. On our I site, saw the picture of that. Which is cool. So as I'm starting to sit up, the question a lot of people say. Did the banner go up first or the tent go up first? No, the tent went up first. <laughs> But a lot of people are like, well, how long does it take you to set this up? I can get it, you know, from the truck to totally set up inside, sitting there with the fire going in about an hour and a half. If nobody's if talking nobody's to you. nobody's talking to me. <laughs> Otherwise it takes like four hours, right? <laughs> but the one thing is, is everybody's walking around looking at all the setups. Yep. No one's actually seen somebody set, set it one up. up. Ah. So I've got all these people walking by and they're just watching me set up this tent. It drew a right? crowd. Yeah, which is, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So yeah, I mean, there was people sitting there, you know, you see a few people walk by slowly just watching what I'm doing and stuff like that. And a few people came over and asked questions and, and whatnot, but. Ask questions while you're helping. Yeah, yeah. How do you do this? <laughs> well, here's a, here's a hammer. Here's a spike. This is how you do it. Now do it. <laughs> if there's time to lean, there's time to clean. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so we, we're setting up that and, uh, once I got everything all set up and got the, the fire going and everything like that, we're going we're to go do a, a walk around. I have never been one of the demo sites. Yep. Right. Um, the park doesn't say, Hey, how'd you like to, if you're coming up, how'd you like to be a demo site? That way people can come up and see you and, yep. you know, you answer questions all. Regardless, I always end up as a demo site, <laughs> a unofficial demo there site. You go. So I had a ton of, ton of people coming in. So needless to say, I didn't get a walk around, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see all the other, uh, sites that were up there, the tents and all the gear and stuff like that, which is, was, which was a shame, but, uh, I've seen a lot of it before anyway. Yeah. So, you know, yeah. and it all just ends up being time to give back. Yeah. And you know, at the end of the night, you end up at the warming tent and all the people that you're going to walk around and see your. They're there They're all anyway, there anyways, yeah. right? Uh, a lot of people have the, um, the, the, the floors now. They're starting to put floors in to help with the, the wood, yep. the, the water. The park still has issues with wet wood. Yes, yes. But if you go into Whitney. Behind the pharmacy. Behind the pharmacy. So yep. we did that. We just backed in and, oh man, it's all different sizes too. He's like, he's, he's cut the wood up or... I say he, but I'm not sure who I got. So if you want small pieces, you just small pieces there, medium pieces and large pieces. So any, he, there's a picture of, you know, this is what the wheelbarrow should look like. Okay. This is the amount that I consider a wheelbarrow. Oh my God. I can't even say the word. (laughs) Wheelbarrow full. Yeah. Right. Um, So yeah, you just, okay, well, yeah, that looks like the picture. And then you wheel it and throw it in your truck. And, uh, yeah, it was, yeah, you threw that in, into the tent when we got back and yeah, it was really nice. How much dr- for a wheelbarrow nice drink. 20, 20 bucks. bucks. That's not bad. And you know what? Yeah, it was. And it it's was, dry wood, right? And it's dry wood. I'll pay 20 bucks for dry wood. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, if you do that and then you buy a couple of bags of wood and let it dry out around the fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Whatever. But it, it was worth that drive. It's yeah. only what, uh. 20 kilometers from there to Whitney's a lot closer than the Westgate. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Well, it's eight, it's 80 kilometers from you to Huntsville and then another 20. Canadian tire to the exit or the driveway at Mew. We measured it It was, it was uh 71.8 or 72 kilometers. It took us 56 minutes. Yeah. 
So we, we took, put the trip meter on it because it's like, we've done this trip so many times. How long does it take? Yeah. yeah it's only about <laughs> another 20 out to, to yeah. the, the pharmacy. So. Yeah. The, yeah. Whitney's so much closer. Yeah. So we did that. Um, when I was setting up the tent, there were a few people coming by cause they've either rented cause we have an Esker 10 by 10 classic. Yeah. Uh, it's got the pole up the middle, the zippers and an angle on the front. The stove uh, pipe is off center. Okay. Right. Uh, there was a few people that came up and they're just like, Hey, you know what? We're, we're renting one or we've just bought one or we're having problems figuring this out, that out. So yeah, I was doing a whole lot of the, mm-hmm. here's how you do this and here's how you do that. And, uh, you can get rid of some of the scalloping on the sides by doing this and yeah. showing them why I had the, cause I got the two by fours in the corners to, so the ropes come straight out got it, and yeah. then down to the, to the spikes, that sort of stuff. Um, get yourself a pair of vice grips. So that when you go to leave, you just give your spikes a tap, maybe a little yeah. bang each side, and then you grab the, the vice grips and you can twist out the spike mm-hmm. from, from the yeah. ice. Makes things a lot easier. So, you know, a lot of little tips yeah. like that for yeah. people that, that are just doing, there was a couple of people that, one of the, one of the guys, is, they, they show up, a young couple, and they just bought a Nesker and uh, said, oh, I love your, love your podcast, especially Derek. Hello. <laughs> it's like, I know you don't like it, but dude, it has become a thing. So many people say, I love it when Derek says, hello. Jesus. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. Uh, I met a lot of people that listen to the podcast. A oh, yeah? lot nice. of people. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. It was really cool to, to that. It's giving out stickers all weekend and, and whatnot. Um, and yeah, so chatting with people about that, giving them, uh, you know, tips and tricks and, and whatnot. And it was funny because, um, few people would come over and say, Hey, you know, we got a question about a tent. The guy over there, Dwayne, yeah. Dwayne Sontag from yeah. the camping family, they were across from us yeah. the other way in their big snow trackers and all that. He said to come and see you cause you gotta, you know, check this out and check out his floor and check out <laughs> this, that, the other thing. And then when there were, there were things about making food and how to do it properly, like to pr- prepare it before you come camp. It was like, oh, go over to the camping family over there and talk to, <laughs> talk to them, right? Because, yeah, because they'll, they'll know stuff like that. So we were passing people back and forth and whatnot. And even Camper Christina, she had a lot of people. She had her new one there, yeah. her new tent there. I think she said she had nine people in it at one point. It's a nice tent. Yeah. it's yeah. Uh, It looks like it's professionally made. Yep. And it's, it's a really good size. It's a, uh, it's really well done. It's, it's, it's just a, if I could build a tent, I would build something like that. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? There's with a new tent like that. I know she had a couple of, uh, things that came up and she's realized, oh, I got to do this. I got to do mm-hmm. that. And it's all a learning th- yeah. thing, yeah. right? Which is pretty cool. Well, she's nailed so, the design for sure. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely. Did definitely. she ever t- say how heavy it is? Like, could she take that backcountry camping? I, I think she can. Yeah. On a sled? Yeah. yeah. It's just, it's got metal poles, but. Yeah. Because I think yeah. she said it, uh, it all packs down into like a Rubbermaid bin mm-hmm. and the poles, I think the poles are probably a, a good chunk of the weight of, of the carry. Yeah. Well, it all fits in the back of her car. Yeah. So. Yeah. But yeah. I'm just thinking a sled because eventually I want something that, uh, the, I currently have a 10 man, but, uh, US Army oh, belt yeah. tent. Yeah. That's it's, not cool. Back I, uh. <laughs> Yeah. Siobhan was saying, I, we were arguing about how much it weighed, right? So I finally, I went online and looked it up and on the official bell site, it's like 120 pounds with the pegs and pole. Oh, 120 easy. pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, thanks. No, thanks. Yeah. And it doesn't pack down small enough to fit on us. It will not fit on a sled. It's Too just, big, eh? it's too large. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what else we, oh, uh, we bought Tracy a new set of snowshoes. Oh yeah. Oh, she, did she use them for the first used, time? Yeah. She used my, uh, older pair last yeah, year yeah. and broke them. Um, <laughs> cause I had bought a brand new pair. So I let her use them. And of course the, the plastic that's around the tips. Yeah. Snapped. Mm-hmm. You know? Uh, so, so we got her, her brand new, her very own pair of snowshoes. Oh, okay. So we went out in the airfield and you know, if people are like, well, there's, everything's packed down and whatnot. And well, no, we're not going on the trails. We're actually going into the, the airfield. Yeah. We went through the woods. We went way across yeah. the airfield through the deep snow. Yeah. Um, I let her go first. So okay. So she could break trail. Break trail, nice. Yeah. I don't think she was too happy with that. <laughs> Everybody's uh, got to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, her, her snowshoes like are half the size of mine. Yeah. 
So then I get around in front of her and just like making these big, you know, <laughs> and she's, oh, oh that's much easier. <laughs> so we she really enjoyed it. Now in the airfield, there's a couple sections where there's forest, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there was, I think somebody said they saw at least five groups camping out there, I five s- tents. I, w- I went on, uh, the Facebook group for it. And, uh, so a lot of people were posting about the Mulek, uh, Mulek weekend and family day weekend. And, uh, I saw quite a few groups that were posting their pictures. And so there were some people cold tenting, hot tenting mm-hmm. in, in the, it was on the airfield, but it was in the woods, in the trees in the airfield. So you couldn't see probably couldn't see them from the road or anything. No. But it was it's a nice it's a nice area to go to and it's uh if you're if you're getting into it for the first time and you just you want to really start to stretch yourself and say do I want to get into backcountry or it's close enough do in I case. have kids and I want to stay close enough that I have a you know a bathroom because my kid won't poop in the snow and yeah. stuff like that right. So you have the the Mulek campground there with the bathrooms and so it is it is handy to to start stretching your experience into the backcountry, right? Mm-hmm. So and so that's what me and Siobhan plan on doing the next time with the kids is we uh, we scoped it out. We walked through the airfield looking for areas. We we found about four or five different areas that would be easy to set up a tent into, right? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. So it, it's a, there's a lot of areas there you can get away from the crowds and you can feel like you're in the backcountry, but you're not quite. And but if things don't go as planned, you're yeah, not that far from exactly, an actual yeah. campground. Because I've got a, a, a six and a nine year old, right? You don't want to you don't want to push them too much and and break yeah. them and say I'm never going camping again. <laughs> yeah, you got to introduce them to it slowly. Yeah, so that's yeah. that's a perfect step. Yeah. you know, between exactly. way back. Yeah, yeah. you know, and uh, you yeah. know. We're throwing everything in the sled and hauling it for eight hours. Exactly, right? You know, this year, you're, yeah, we're just right over there in all yeah, the trees. Yeah, you don't want to push it too much. Yeah. And I did get them out into the airfield with, we all had snowshoes on. Beckett has these little tiny pair of snowshoes. Uh, and so we were just tromping through the deep snow. And yeah. and so I would like, I would like kind of quickly turn away from them and they would like cross and break their own trail. And so I was, I was forcing them into it. So it was, it was nice to see. They were really enjoying it, right? You have to get them to enjoy yeah. it. Oh, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. like when we're canoe tripping and mm-hmm. stuff like that. You got to get them to enjoy it. Otherwise, yeah. you know, it's going to be, yeah, I don't want to do that anymore. We were and there. It kind of drags you off. We were up there, I think, three weeks ago and the weather was great. It was, uh, what was it? It was uh, only about minus eight or something. The Friday this week or last week, I guess. Um, it went down into the minus 26 yeah, or something There was like a cold that. snap that we missed swept that. through. Yeah. But yeah, the, the rest of the time it was, yeah, I don't even think it broke 10. Now they said it was going down to minus 20 like s- Sunday night, Monday morning. Yeah. Really didn't feel like it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was pretty nice all mm-hmm. weekend. Yeah. 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 It wasn't that bad. And it's like in the middle of the night you wake up. And of course we got those disco bed, the bunk bed things. Yeah. So Tracy's up on the top bunk. Yeah. And all I do is I reach my hand up and if it's warm, then it's okay. She's still warm because yeah. the, the hot air rises yeah. and hang around the top, yeah. right? Yeah. Because I'll wake up and I'm thinking, oh, it's getting kind of cool. Do I need to throw some more wood on the fire yeah. in the middle of the night sort of stuff? Um, because my thing is, is with the stove, you open up the door. Yeah. Because it's right there. It's like an arm length away from me, right? Mm-hmm. I can open it up. I've got all the wood situated that I know where to grab whatever that I can just yeah. throw in, yeah. close the door, and then I bring my... I, the only thing that gets out of the sleeping bag is my arm. <laughs> <laughs> right? And so I know that. So I'm like, okay, I'll throw that out. I got the flue open a certain amount and on the door and all that. Wait a couple of seconds for it all to catch and then I can close it down. Otherwise it's just going to skyrocket yeah, yeah. and the, the pipe is going to get all red hot. And <laughs> it's going to bake that you can't even breathe and everything like that. And I was, I was good with that. And then the one time all of a sudden I, somebody hits me and it's Tracy from the top bug. Can you turn that down? Look at the pipe because I'd put the wood in yeah. and then immediately zonked right back out. <laughs> <laughs> but it happened like that yeah, fast, yeah. right? Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a couple of times where it was, it was just all of a sudden everything was catching and you're just like, Whoa, that's, you know, wait, yeah. you're piping it right down again to hopefully, okay, stop, 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 stop. You know, don't burn so hot and yeah. like that. You want it just enough to take the, the heat or the, the chill out of the air. Yeah. It's going to be cool. Yeah. But you don't want it like you don't just want hot. bacon yeah. either because the, the higher it's going, the faster your wood's burning yeah. and you're going to be up three times as much to, to put the fire, yeah. more logs on the fire, right? 
We uh we we didn't use the dry wood. We didn't go to Whitney. We just said, eh, we'll, we'll see what we can make out of it with the yeah. with the park wood." And it was wet, so we never really got the fire going. Right. It uh, we had you know once in a while we had a decent set of coals, but it it never really caught. It never really got hot in there. Right. Just because we couldn't get the wood to burn, it's just constantly, constantly this hiss of the of the yeah. water boiling out of the logs, right? Yeah, and see, I I'd have that. I'll get a good fire going, and I line the, I stand the logs up around mm-hmm. the stove. Yeah, yeah. So that, and then occasionally, like turn, it's like you're cooking sausages or something <laughs> around the stove, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, we didn't have that issue this time, which is mm-hmm. see what I've gotten in the habit of doing now, and whether I should do it or not, I don't know. But I will buy a couple of bags. Yeah. And then I'll bring them home, put them in my garage where they'll warm dry up and dry out, out yeah. so that next season yeah. or whenever, I next time I'm up there, I have dry wood. Yeah. Yeah. At least if you can start with dry wood and mm-hmm. dry, get it hot enough that you can dry yeah. everything else yeah. out, yeah. You're, you know, you're good to start that way. But yeah. now that I know Whitney's there. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 And now having said that, the next time I go, they're going to be out of wood <laughs> and I'll be back to the wet wood. Yeah. <laughs> Um, we did get the, uh, now you're talking about the floor and like we, we keep contemplating doing the floor, but I don't want to drag those sheets of plywood and, uh, you know, yeah. they're only two by unless two. You, but... Unless you have a, a, a pickup truck. Yeah. Like, I mean, my setup is really good because I put all my gear in the, in the box of the truck. Yeah. I have the tunnel cover. Yeah. But there's enough room from all the containers and everything that I can slide the five pieces of plywood over oh, perfect. top. Yeah. And then the tunnel cover still closes. Uh-huh. When I open all that up at the campsite, mm-hmm. the first thing out is the wood for the lay down for the five pieces for the yeah. floor. And then out comes the tent and everything else. When I'm taking the, everything down, everything gets packed into the truck. The last thing that comes up is the, the floor, floor. Yeah. and it just slides in the top. Yeah. So it is perfect that way. If you have a car or a little SUV or something like small like that, Chances are you're not getting the full floor in, mm-hmm. but even if you can get a partial mm-hmm. that you have something that you can, you can take your boots off. You, you don't need that. You're not going to be worrying exactly. that the, yep. the, the, the water's going to be coming up that, you know, half an inch or whatever mm-hmm. that thickness of it, that you're, you're not worrying about that. You're going to be having to deal with water constantly. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's why I brought it up because, uh. We were wishing we had a floor. Like mm-hmm. we had, uh, we put down a tarp and a packing blanket for under all the, uh, uh, all the cots. Right. So that we could take our boots off, stand on the, on the packing blanket and stuff. But around the stove was just snow. And, and on the site we had, like, there must've been like six inches of, of packed snow on the floor. Yeah. And, uh, so we were there, we were there two nights, Friday night and Saturday night. And we got, and so by the end of it, by... <laughs> By uh, Saturday night, Sunday morning, I was, uh, I had a bucket. And so I was taking a coffee cup and scooping water into a bucket and tossing out. I, I swear, we I, 30 or 40 buckets of water I took out of that. Like we had like standing water that was like a couple inches deep around right. the stove. Like it was ridiculous. Like we had to be careful not, like it, it, the uh, slowly the snow melted, turned to ice. Then the ice melted. And so by, by the time we left... We had thawed the ground and it was all just this mud hole yeah. underneath the stove. And we were like, we were chucking buckets of water out through the door. Like we, I would like bail the tent every, uh, about every hour or so, just trying to keep the water away. Right. Yeah. Now when I pulled up the floor, uh, cause I lay, I lay the blue tarp down and then I put down yeah. the, the wood floor, um, where the stove was, was, had, had turned to a bit of ice. Yeah. And that was it. Yeah. So, but when you took the the wood floor and the the tarp up, um, there was this little icy section, mm-hmm. but everything else was still exactly what yeah. it looked like when we laid everything down. Huh. Right. And that's that's one of the things I did because when I went and started looking at at this different setups people had, yeah, people were putting those foam things down. A couple <clears> people <throat> would put the rubber mats, which is the problem because when the water comes up between the two rubber mats, yeah. It's not like it's going to soak back through. Mm-hmm. It sits there on yeah. top of the rubber mats. Yeah. And you're bringing through water, you're bringing through snow, your socks are getting soaked, your boots are getting yeah. soaked. And, you know, it's just like, it's just something to, if you can eliminate that kind of uncomfortable bit, like when we're in the tent, mm-hmm. we have, we're not uncomfortable. 
Yeah. We're not worried about stepping in snow or exactly, water yeah. or anything yeah. like that, right? Um, if I'm going to get wet and everything, it's going to be because I'm rolling around outside or yeah. something like that, right? You've got a place to go. You're not having to wear your boots constantly. Mm-hmm. You can sit there in bare feet if you want, you know? Yeah. And uh, that really makes a difference. Like the last time we went up, we uh, we had one of the non-electrical sites, and but it had good drainage. So the right. snow went away and then we had dirt ground, which drained, so it was dry, but we didn't want to get tracked dirt and dust and stuff everywhere. So what we ended up doing is every once in a while we went out, filled the sled with uh, with snow, dragged the snow in and covered the floor with fresh snow again. Right. So we kept recarpeting the floor with snow, with snow. every time it <laughs> melted away. That's not bad. <laughs> Somebody that was there before us, I guess, couldn't get their spikes out. Oh. So they'd left pylons around six spikes. Oh, yeah. Guess who now has six new spikes? <laughs> <laughs> I took, I, yeah, I took them out and, cause you know, like if somebody else didn't see them, they're going to trip over. Yeah. Them. Or if I'm going out for a pee in the middle of the night, I'm tripping, tripping over them. Tripping over them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, find me in the morning, like <laughs> stumbled over a spike. Yeah. Broken toe. <laughs> um, what, oh, so when, when we were in the back country there, back in the airfield, uh, there, we came across a couple of sites. Yeah. Uh, one was a, a young couple that we had met before. Okay. Uh, they, we were over, talk, they came over to see us. They had the five-sided esker and, uh, like ours, but, uh, five-sided instead of the four. Well, so we chatted with them for a bit. And then, um, Ben and Tim from Two Men in a Canoe, they were over a little ways from there and they had, uh, Ben had his 10-style tent set up. Okay. Right? So that was cool. pretty cool to see that sort of thing. And I liked it because Tracy's not seen anybody in the backcountry camping. Mm-hmm. She's just seen car camping oh, in the okay, winter, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So we took her back there and she could see this is the different yeah. setups that people are using and here's how it is and here's how you got to get there and you're pulling in the sleds and all that sort of stuff. And yeah. that was pretty cool for her to see that so side the of So the 10-cell tent guy, that was, what were they using for insulation to stay warm? He was just a sleepy, he's got like a foam pad and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Just a really so good just sleep cold system. Tenting it. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So you're just yeah. cold tenting it uh, hmm. five feet in the air. Yeah. Right? So uh, it worked out pretty good. I'd be worried about wintertime hammock tenting. Why? Just the, the, the risk of getting too cold because at least on the ground, you uh, you do build up that insulating. Like you're still on snow, but you're not going to pop off the thermal barrier. Or you're not going to, you know what I mean? Like well, a lot of people put the, the pads and the quilts on on the bottom. Yeah. And that's what, yeah. then they put their, their, maybe the therma rest or yeah. their, um, uh, winter, uh, yeah. sleeping bag and that huh. right on there. So that really insulates the bottom part. Yeah. Right. So yeah, that's, there, there, there's ways to do that. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of people that actually do do it still. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the yeah, hammock yeah, tenting. Yeah. Cause that would be my thing is like, I'm not going to camp in a hammock off the air and you're surrounded by cold air circling all around Exactly. You, right. Right. Yeah. 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 So it doesn't seem to be a problem. Hmm. Uh, what else? Sunday night we went, uh, to the warming tent by the rink. There's a, the, the skating rink there and they have a big little, you know, a uh, big fire, but they had a big fire there that, yeah. yeah. And, the, and the warming tent and we sit around ch- chatting and talking with other campers and, and whatnot, people that are there. And yeah, it was a really, really good night. And then Monday morning we packed everything up and went over and did spruce, spruce boardwalk trail. Okay. And fed the birds and stuff like that. And there, you know what, it's, it's, you like taking the kids there, little kids, right? Yeah. Cause you put the, the seed in your hand and you hold it out and the little chickadee comes and, you know, eats from their hand and they're just like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, a little kid just yeah. lights right up. Yeah. And there was a couple there, they were probably late teens by the looks of it. And he didn't seem too, too happy, you know, he's, yeah. yeah, whatever, just walking. Well, and well. she's like, oh, look at the, the birds and all that. So. I said, here, hold it. And I gave her a whole bunch of seed to put in her hand. And the very first chickadee that landed on her hand, even Tracy said, like her face it turns everything all around. lit yeah. right up. You know, I mean, he could really care less by the looks of it, but her, yeah. it just lit her face right up <laughs> that, uh, this little bird landed on there. And it's like, she's, you can tell she's never had something yeah. like that before. And you know, that, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. So. So yeah, then we did the uh, a three-hour little jaunt back home, and now it's just a matter of cleaning stuff up. My nice clean basement is no longer clean, as you can see. It looks <laughs> yeah. like a bomb hit That's the place. It's a gear disaster. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> uh, but you know what we did this year is um, 
usually I, I have one and a half sets of gear. Yeah. So I have my main set for my canoe camping. Yeah. Uh, or car camping, that sort of stuff. And then I take bits and pieces to add to our winter camping thing. But what I did when we got home, as we're going through everything, we made a big list of stuff that this is what we need for winter camping. Yeah. And here's what we forgot. Yeah. <laughs> like tongs. Here's the stuff we yeah. never used. And so now we know. So what we're going to do is we're going to make a, and buy stuff that we don't need to start switching back and forth. Oh, okay. So we'll have yeah, duplicate yeah. stuff, yeah. unfortunately, you know, but at least I know, okay, boom, this is our winter camping tub. This is my gear. This is, this is all I need. It's this already is, ready yeah. to go. It's I don't need to dig into and, all that stuff yeah. and, and find it. So yeah. uh, that, that, that was pretty cool. So it was, yeah, it was a really cool, cool time. Uh, Algonquin, uh, the folks at Algonquin Park there, they did a really good job with this. The number of people that came through was phenomenal. Having Algonquin Outfitters there doing the the demos of the gear and the fat yeah. bikes and, and all that stuff, that was awesome. Got to talk to Randy Mitson from Algonquin Outfitters. and nice. uh, I'm actually going to hang around the Algonquin Outfitters booth right at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show this weekend. Yeah. Um, and, and how about, you know, talk to people about canoe trips and, yeah. and stuff in Algonquin and give them some tips and on routes and stuff like that. And when I'm not wandering aimlessly or doing my presentation, <laughs> yeah. uh, it'll, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it's then, coming up quick. How's your present? Y'all ready for the presentation? Oh, heck no. No, 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 no. <laughs> Missouri, we're just uh, a few days away from that. Yeah. I, I just got a couple things left to do just to, yeah. you know, a little cross your cross your I's and dot your T's sort of thing. Uh, but yeah, pretty close. Uh, then I came back and I started, uh, doing some research and stuff on things and I came across a couple of videos I want to talk about. The first one, and we're going to post these videos, uh, on our, our Facebook page. Yeah. Uh, that you can, you can check out the Paddling Adventures Radio Facebook page. The first one is about fishing from a kayak. Now you, you're thinking, okay, I'm going to go up my little kayak, whether it's an actual sit inside or a sit on top, I'm going to cast out, maybe catch a perch, maybe yeah. a bass, a trout, <laughs> a pike, maybe. No, not this video. Adam Fisk. So these guys, I guess are, are professional, um, fishermen. Yeah. Right? They, they do professional sport, sport fishermen. They're, they're sport kayak yeah. fishermen. Well, and that's the thing, in a kayak, an yeah. open top kayak, and it was the pedal ones too, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, he's, they're, they're catching mackerel and stuff like that. Adam Fisk, Fisk, uh, hooked into a 500 plus pound yeah. marlin. This is off the coast of, uh, Panama, Southern Panama. The fight lasted six hours and spanned over 15 miles. It yeah. dragged him out to sea. Yes. Six, uh, 15 miles. <laughs> so now <laughs> it's a really cool video. I don't want to, I don't want to talk too much about it, but, yeah. uh, and we're sitting there thinking my big question would be, okay, finally he, he either breaks the line or you get him up and you set him free or, or whatever. Then you've got to paddle back 15 miles to shore. So I just converted it to 24 kilometers. 24 kilometers, 15 miles. Oy. Yeah, I'm already tired from being <laughs> fighting that thing, right? You really got to watch yeah. the video. And I'll, I'll just say about the video is, so he's got two buddies with him and yeah. everybody's in their own kayaks. So there, one guy's way over there, one guy's way over there. And then he catches this marlin and it's hauling him. Yeah. Right. And so they're in contact with the, the resort they're at and they send out this boat. Yeah. They call so it the, the rescue boat. The rescue boat. So the rescue boat picks up the first guy. In his kayak. It's a big boat, so they mm-hmm. can just throw it into there. Then they find the second guy, yeah. throws his kayak, and so, then they head out and find Adam yeah. to follow him. Yeah, well, they, they stand off yeah. like 100 meters and just watch him. Yeah. And ju- they just I mean, watch in video. Position. He's The challenge is to catch the, the marlin, the marlin. And, and bring it in. And and uh, so it's he's still doing all the challenge, the fishing from the kayak, but he's just he's got, got a, he's got a safety eye. crew to keep an eye on him. Yeah. And apparently he has the world record for the resort Marlin. record. They, they I call it, was it a, re- was a resort or is it I the world? I think they call it the resort record. I'll have to, yeah, I'll have yeah. to take a peek on that again. So he's got a, a record. For 400 pound Marlin. <laughs> yeah, for a 400 pound Marlin from a plastic kayak. Yeah. So he's got the world record. And this, they're estimating was even 
bigger. Yes. Right? They said it looked bigger by size. Yeah. The Marlin itself was bigger than him and his kayak. It was longer yeah. and bigger and taller and yada, yada, yada. Because there's like, a video where it jumps up next to his boat. Yeah. And you're just like, oh like, my oh. God. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, his buddies are, you, you would swear they were all I know. You think they hooked thing. onto it. Yeah. Because they were all excited. They were just going nuts with this thing. But yeah. So my thing is, I mean, if you're fishing with light gear, you want to, you want to play the fish. So you don't lose it, right? So if you got if you if you've latched into a nice trout or something like that, yeah. you don't you know with your lightweight fishing gear, you don't want to lose it. So you, you play it for a while. If you're out salmon fishing, like we used to go down the river uh, in Bowmanville, and you know you walk Bowmanville Creek and you're you're looking for the, the salmon. If you latch in one of these thirty pound salmon, you're walking up and down. You're following them up and yeah. down the river, right? You got to play uh, them out. It's going to take a while. It's going to take a while. So, I mean, we've, we've, we've fought them for a half hour easy mm-hmm. some po- sometimes. And yeah, you, you get them in there and that sort of thing. Six, it was actually six hours, I think 13 minutes yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. Yeah. Six and a quarter hours. Yeah. That's incredible. Wow. How does this muscles last that long? Yeah. Yeah. Like six, six, over six hours they fought this thing. Uh, at what point was he in that kayak thinking, forget get it. <laughs> you know, you're sort of, you're sort of, you're as much as you want to land that thing. There's some point that you're going to be going, oh, I just hope this breaks. Yeah. I just hope my line breaks or he tosses the hook or, or whatever. Yeah. Right. And they were saying, what is it? They, they say it's with Marlin, it's considered to catch after so much time or if you can touch the oh, leader. Yeah. There's the leader that comes up. So once you can, you can touch that leader with your, the hundred meter caught or hundred foot, hundred meter. Yeah. No, no, it was like 15 feet. Was it 15 feet? Just 15 feet. 15 feet um, leader. The yeah. minute you could touch that with your hand. It's considered It's caught. considered a caught marlin. Yeah. So he had touched that, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden it would do yeah. gone again, right? Yeah. And yeah, the, the, the big reel he had, they showed the, the, the line. Yeah. And you can see it was a full, he almost had it to the boat. And the next shot, after you're peeling it away, yeah. it's like almost right down to the core and you're thinking that just gonna zoop, and he's gone right uh what i did like about this is they're showing the his two buddies in the boat as they're waiting for him yeah garbage is floating by plastic yes. plastic bottles yeah. metal beer cans and pop cans yeah. and they're pulling all this yeah. stuff out exactly and the one guy just grabs one of the bottles looks at it and goes this is karma we're yeah. catching this fish yeah. <laughs> sort of thing uh as the day went on because of course, no one expects that you're going out for six hours. Six hours, right? I know, right? Uh, the swells. Yes, the wind right? picked and the up. The wind picks so up. So he was swell. fighting a marlin, and he's fighting the swells. One of his gear bags was detaching from his kayak, so he's tr- and he's steering and pedaling. So he's trying to keep headway into the waves. He's trying to steer into the waves, and he's trying to keep this marlin on. And he's fighting this 500 pound marlin. <laughs> it's like that's quite the challenge. Yeah. Right. And by the end of it, by the, after they catch it, they've got to head back to shore. Yeah. But meanwhile, they've had to radio the guy at yeah. the resort and say, send a second boat out with more gas. Yes. With water, with food, <laughs> with lights, because they were losing daylight. Yeah. Right? Because otherwise, they're going to be out 15 miles off yeah. the shore of Panama, heading to Antarctica. Yeah. If they run out of gas, because once those things hit... So we'll post this one. Yeah. Um, now we say we they caught the marlin, but it was considered caught. What they did is they, when all said and done, they loaded everything onto the boat. They pulled the marlin in with about five feet of the boat, and then they cut the line it and let like it cut go. the line. Yeah. 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 It'll spit that hook eventually. It'll. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, they got it that far, and off they went back home. Uh, we will post this. It's just unbelievable watching and just seeing that fish. The 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 power. Yeah. It had. That was pretty cool. It, what was funny is, uh, so to, for him to, he handed the the rod across to his buddy in the bigger boat so that he could get out of his kayak and load the kayak on. And when he had everything loaded, he's standing in the boat. His buddy goes, here, you want your rod back? He says, no, I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. His, his arms were cramping, his forearms were sore. <laughs> yeah, he couldn't, he couldn't even yeah. get it into... Uh, into the boat. Yeah. You know, barely drag, drag everything into the boat, which yeah. is kind of funny. So we'll post that to our Facebook page if you uh, want to check that one out. It's pretty cool. It, it really is. But I, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine doing Amazing. that. Amazing. As much as I love fishing. Not six, six hours. Six hours, man. Fighting a 500 yeah. pound marlin. At some point he's going to get close. 
I'm just going to either cut that line or I'm yeah. just going to, all right, oops, I dropped my rod. <laughs> <laughs> Enough of that. Sorry. Oops. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, the other video I saw, Grand Canyon Canoe Trip. Yes. And we're going to post this one as well. It's only a little, the first, the, the fishing one's about 30 minutes, 31 mm-hmm. minutes. Yeah. Uh, the Grand Canyon Canoe Trip one's only about five and a half or something like that. 26 days, eight Canadians in the Grand Canyon. They paddled the Grand Canyon. Which is, okay, everybody, yeah, a lot of people have done the Grand Canyon, zip de doo da day whatever. They completed this feat unsupported yes. by packing all 26 days worth of food and supplies into their 17-foot tripping canoes, tackling some of the biggest rapids in the world with loaded boats. Yeah. So tandem canoes with spray skirts and yada, yada, yada. Yep. So unsupported. Yep. So that's. There was 20, no rafts carrying so all the gear or anything. They had to carry a month's everything. worth of food. Food, gear, yeah. everything. Yes. So there was no support crew with them. Yeah. Because that's usually what happens. You get the little rafts bopping around and they got the big rafts behind with all the. Yeah. All the gear you're zipping down in your kayaks or whatever. Yeah. You're lightweight. You're yeah. just playing. And then the big kayaks or a raft come behind you filled with all the gear that you're going to yeah. your tents. Your beer your for the night and yada, yada, yada. All that sort of Nothing. They had it all in their canoes. Yeah. Out of the 26 days and numerous massive rapids, there were only 11 capsizes. That's pretty All good. of which were self-rescues. Now we watched the video in there and there's a couple of times, you know, you, you see them. If you're thinking, ah, oh, they're going to, yeah, they lost it. You're thinking they're going to catch it, but they don't. <laughs> yep. And then they're straddling the canoe as it's upside down. And paddling. And paddling. <laughs> <laughs> Just, yeah, you know, they, they got to get to shore or whatever. But some of the, some of the video of this where the, you see them just it's flying like the rockets. The size of the, of these the, waves. Of the waves. Yeah. And, and the speed of the river, it's just incredible. They just, they just launch off yeah. some of these waves like they're a rocket. Yeah. It yeah. was a truly amazing. So uh, we'll have to do that trip. Yeah, let's go. Like right now. <laughs> uh, this this is the first known self-supported tandem canoe descent of the Grand Canyon on the Colorado River. Yeah. So it, as far as I know, yeah, there's no, nobody's there's done no this before. Re- recorded unsupported trip yeah. before. So that that that's it's a real cool little video. It's like I say, it's only like five minutes, yeah. but it's it's pretty cool to to see it. So we'll post that one on our Facebook page as well if you want to go check that out and uh, think. Hmm, I'm looking for a trip. I think I'll get my buddies <laughs> together and we'll do because yeah. now you know it's doable. Yeah, absolutely. I yeah. kind of think like Jim Baird or David Lee would do oh, that yeah. kind of trip. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. 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 And they, they would probably have a blast. Yeah, me? No, no. That's, <laughs> that's not the much I'd do it. I'd go. Yeah? Oh yeah. Well, convince the two of them. There you go. Get a fourth person. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, the Burt Reynolds Memorial River Run to On the, the Colorado, Colorado River. River. <laughs> 26 days. Well, we couldn't do 26 days. Why? I can't Well, give not a, with negativity like that, Mr. Quitter. I can't burn up that much vacation. I'd have to take unpaid vacation for that. And? I'm not taking unpaid vacation. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. <laughs> Maybe when so, I retire. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check those out as well on our, our Facebook page. And uh, I think you'll, like I say, just watching that fishing one was pretty awesome. But just seeing them, the guys going down the Grand Canyon and just hammering yeah, through I those know, waves. Eh? It was so impressive. Yeah. And the big rocks. Yeah. 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 That's cool. Uh uh, let's take a quick break here and we're going to come back and do a quick little brief thing. Cause you know, everybody's going to start thinking about, cause all the shows are starting, everybody's starting to think about their canoe tripping, kayaking yeah, and absolutely. all that sort of stuff. We want to talk a little talk about, uh, water ratings and, you know, yeah. when it comes to rapids and, and, uh, rivers, lakes, that sort of stuff. And, uh, actually there's a canoeist rating as well. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Sean Rowley and you're listening to Paddling Adventures Radio. To find out more about us, check out our website, paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Current and past episodes of our podcast can be downloaded or streamed from iTunes, Google Play, and the episode page of our website. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for the show, we would love to hear from you. So drop us a line on Facebook or our website. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the show. This portion of the show is brought to you by Algonquin Outfitters. Algonquin Outfitters, providing quality Algonquin Park backcountry adventures for the entire family since 1961. Whether you want to get on the water for a day or a week, the friendly staff at Algonquin Outfitters can help you out. 
Find them online at algonquinoutfitters.com or visit one of their 12 locations. Algonquin Outfitters, your outdoor adventure store, with locations in Algonquin Park, Muskoka, and Halliburton. Welcome back. So spring is coming, and with spring comes high water, turns into low water, turns into no water <laughs> at the end of the season. Yes. Everybody's going to start now. Like I say, all the trade shows are coming up. Everybody's going out looking at new gear, looking at new boats, starting to think about their trips they're going to take. Yeah. You know, everybody's just plan, 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 plan. That's the mode I'm in right now. Plan oh, a couple yeah. trips. You know what? I'm, I was looking at heading north at the end of the, at the end of summer. I might go south. I never go south. There's a couple of places down in the States I might, might hit. Within driving distance. Yeah. Like not not far south is the Everglades and that and whatnot, but there's a couple rivers I've been looking at maybe uh, paddling um, south of the border yeah. in the United States. So we'll, we'll see what happens. But um, the thing you have to, one of the things that you, I, I mean, we do it when we're looking at the maps sort of subconsciously now, I would think, because we've been doing this so long. Yeah. You've got to look at the water. Oh, absolutely. The, you know, cause the, the, the water can change based on the time of year. If there's uh, a recent rainfall. It, big like storm, so many, yeah, spring yeah. runoff, yeah. you know, all that sort of stuff. So you've really got, you know, like, yeah, you, you've got this nice little creek that goes, but then all of a sudden there's spring runoff, massive spring storms, and all of a sudden it's a raging river. Or there's a sudden drought. It's and like all of a sudden there's You're rocks. planning and it's like, okay, yeah, well, the, the, the water's great. The water's great. Yeah. Oh, it hasn't rained in three weeks. Yeah. And it's like, oh no. So you got to start <laughs> looking into that. The international rating system has been devised to describe river flow. Yes. Okay. Classification for specific river may change from season to season following, they have letter designations and it's used to describe the water level and the rate of flow. First one is L for low, below normal levels for the river. So like I say, all of a sudden there's the end of the summer, you know, shallows turned into dry river banks and low areas become muddy sandbars. Yes. It's low. M for medium. So that's normal river flow. Uh, water generally is used to describe good water for rivers, slate gradients and enough depth for passage uh, on steeper sections, that sort of thing. MH for medium high. So it's higher than normal, faster flow on gentle gradients, and the best flow for more difficult river sections with enough water for passage over low ledges and through rock gardens. So that, that's, because you figure there's low, medium, high, but there's actually an extra one between yeah. medium and high. Then you got H for high. Water's becoming difficult to handle. River is well above normal stage. Uh, uh, paddlers may refer to the strong currents as heavy. Small debris may come floating by. Uh, a warning that the river is dangerous and better left to skilled kayakers and canoeists whose crafts are supported by flotation bags. So not for your general not everyday your ordinary family people. Trip. Yeah. yeah. Then there's HH or high high. Very heavy water. Hydraulics are complex. Even slight gradients become treacherous. Debris is frequent and it's only for experts. So this would be like the uh, Grand Canyon Grand trip. Canyon, for example. <laughs> <laughs> then there's F for flood. Abnormally high water overflowing the banks. Current extremely violent. Low-lying areas underwater. TV crews show up to shoot tape for the <laughs> evening news. <laughs> uh, yeah, you don't want to be out there. Yeah. Uh, there's probably going to be... Uh, rescue missions involved. Yes. So, so low, medium, medium, high, 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 and, and flood. flood. Those are the water level rating systems. <laughs> the Apple, and this is the thing that I never thought of before. The Appalachian Mountain Club rates canoeists on a scale of one to four, sorry, five, because mm -hmm. they do it in numerals, uh, Roman numerals. And you know, that's my main way I look at numbers one through five to check your competence rating class one a beginner is familiar with the basic strokes can handle a tandem canoe competently from the bow or stern on flat water and a solo canoe is familiar with the basic strokes yeah class two is a novice 
can handle more advanced whitewater strokes, solo or either bow or stern of a tandem canoe, knows how to read water, can negotiate easy and regular rapids with assurance. That would be me. I'm a class two. Class three, intermediate, can negotiate rapids requiring a link sequence of maneuvers, understands and can use eddy turns, basic bow upstream techniques, skilled in either bow or stern of a tandem canoe, can paddle class two rapids in a solo canoe or kayak. Oh. Maybe you're a three. I might be a three. Yeah, ready. Class four is an expert. I'm not an expert. (laughs) Has established ability to run difficult class three and four rapids in bow or stern of a tandem craft, can paddle solo in a properly equipped canoe or kayak, understands the maneuver of heavy class H water. That would be the high water. Mm -hmm. And the class five is a leader, is an expert canoeist, possess the experience, judgment, and training to lead a group of any degree of skill on a navigable waterway in the wilderness. Hmm. Um, The person that was talking about this article that wrote it said, to the preceding list, I would add a class A to describe one who has virtually no familiarity with canoes or canoeing. I've seen a few of those. So a brand spanking new person that goes, hey, I'm going to jump into the boat. Yeah. You wouldn't be a class one. You'd be a class A. Yes. Which is, that's fair. Yeah. I've seen people getting into a canoe on like, uh, it wasn't canoe like, it was, it was Opiango. Opiango, yeah. And the two of them got in the canoe and they're like looking at each other. It's like, no, you're supposed to face, face the other way. It's like, oh, and I was standing on the dock. It's like, what is going on there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen that on Canoe Canoe Lake as well. They both face the middle, or they both face the <laughs> the, the outside the away stern, from each other. The stern by yeah, like, and you're just like, oh, this is not going to go well. But got to start somewhere. Know, yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's funny to laugh at them, but you know, you, you got to start somewhere, right? Yep. You can't learn if you don't try, it, right? Yeah. So I wouldn't laugh to their faces. It's uh, because you don't want to discourage them. Nope. But uh, it's, it's, it is encouraging to see people trying new things. So like, I don't want people to think like I'm a, I'm a jerk or anything. I'm just, but you know. Jerk. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I mean, that's. You can't help but laugh. We've, we've come out um, in October over Thanksgiving weekend. And that's, that's a big tourist time in in Mm -hmm. Algonquin Park with the, with the the colors and, Mm -hmm. and all that sort of stuff. And as you're coming into either Opiongo docks or Canoe Lake docks, and you see all the tourists in the boats yeah. that have probably never sat in a canoe before. Yeah. And they're doing the big rooster tail paddle <laughs> with a big, you know, the big splash behind yeah. them as they're thinking they got to really emphasize the, yeah. the backstroke. <laughs> um, or the one I remember, I'm coming down, they're coming towards me, and just as we're about to pass, all of a sudden they make a left turn and almost take me out. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa, 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 what, what was that? You, what are you doing? <laughs> so, yeah, you know, that's <laughs> all good. It's all good. They're out there, they're trying it. Yeah. That's what you're there for, right? <laughs> uh, the last part of this was, should you paddle that river? So when you see, well, we're going to go paddling here, you, you, there's things that you should start thinking about. You need to do your homework on... On your planned route, you need to figure out what classes you're going to experience. What, what the levels are you, is there any extensive river runs or rapids where you, it's more than a kilometer or something like that. So, you, you know, if there's any extensive rivers, if you do bail, then there's a long swim to get out. And so you gotta, you gotta know what you're going to be running into. You gotta know what you're, you're coming across. You want to be able to meter and measure and say, yeah, you know what? I can do this section in a day. And if we run into trouble, we could stop at this early campsite or we can, Mm -hmm. if we make it longer and it's a sunny day, we can make it to this other campsite. So you gotta, and so a lot of this really comes back to your own skill level. What can I do in a typical six or so our day, depending on how long yeah. you plan on being on the water, right? Exactly. So it, it's, uh, it, you really have to gauge your own skill level at the same time you're gauging the, the class of the river that you're going to experience. Yeah. And they say the three elements must be evaluated before you, you are competent to judge your ability to handle yeah. a river, mm-hmm. your ability, yep. the class of the rapids mm-hmm. and the river flow level. Exactly. And I would add to number one, the ability of the person you're paddling with, if it's a tandem. <laughs> That's important. It, it, it is. So you can get away with a lot if you have a higher skill level and you're basically going to be uh, 
paddling for the other individual. So you're going to compensate for either their lack of skill or they're going to compensate for your lack of skill. Yeah. And so it, it's like, a, it's the yin and yang. You got to make sure you're partnered up well to uh, be successful for, for both of right? Exactly. Yeah. And and when it comes to river level, river flow level, it's one of the, I don't know if a lot of people out there know it, but there's, there's a lot of hydrographic stations across, for example, I'm going to talk about Ontario. So there's a lot of, you can go to the government websites, uh, gc.ca, and you'll you'll find all the hydrographic information on, on a lot of these river flows, right? So if you want to see river flow, Quebec does it differently. I can't remember where to find their information, but uh, in in Ontario, it's the government website, and they'll give you the current. You can find typical seasonal flows, uh, like what's considered a high flow, what's considered a normal flow, and what's considered a low flow. And you can gauge that against what the current reading is. And you can see also like, you know, you can trend it over the last 30 years if you wanted to, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so you can see, uh, you can determine before you get out to where you're going, if you're going to do the Des Moines, you're going to go do the Spanish River or whatever, you can say, okay, you know what? We're at a lower than normal flow. It's not going to be as challenging. We might do a little bit of bump and grind or the flow's really high now. So we're going to have to be really careful, you know, and, and you got to measure and determine what the season, is the water going to be super cold? Is it going to be nice? Right. So there's a lot of stuff to take into account. And anybody out there with any tripping experience is going to know this, know what I'm talking about. And, and if you don't have the experience, then it's time to to uh, maybe look into it and talk to somebody who's uh, is a little bit more experienced to, that can uh, advise you on how to uh, challenge a river without uh, over-challenging yourself. Yeah, and again, this is what I, when I started this, I was saying there is we sort of do it without even thinking anymore because we've been well, doing it so long. Exactly, right? yeah. All this yeah. and the whatnot. So. A little bit more cavalier about it, but it's cavalier through experience. Yeah. And hey, at the end of the day, man, if it keeps you safe, then, then so be it. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Uh, other than that, I think that's all I've got this week. We nailed it. Nailed it. What Anything episode else is this? What episode number is 210. this? 210. 210. 210. <laughs> Another 90 episodes and we're at 300. <laughs> Who's our guest? <laughs> Kevin Gallen. Kevin Gallen. <laughs> Kevin Gallen. He's going to flat outright say no. So no. We're, we are at the Toronto Outdoor Adventure Show this weekend. Yes. I'm presenting at 1245 Saturday on the uh, uh, Adventures and Paddling stage. Yep. Next weekend, we're heading down to Lansing, Michigan to, uh, we're going to have our booth at the Quiet Adventure Symposium yep. and we're taking Kevin Callen with us. Awesome. He's not going to fly. He's going to actually drive. I don't know if he's ever actually driven that far. Yeah. So, well, I assume he's going to be a passenger. And I am going to make sure that I check his gear before we come back that there's no rabbits in it. Because, <laughs> you know, things happen. Are you, are you allowed to transport a rabbit? Like, No. You'd have, we couldn't I think bring you'd... meat across, but you, could you bring game? What if it, What if he said that what rabbit was a pet? Meat? Yeah. It's my... My it's service. My, it's my, it's my, yeah. my service animal. It's my service Keeps animal. Keeps me calm. Yeah, Bugs, Bugs Bunny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I think, I mean, when we cross the border with our dog, we have to have vet papers. Yeah. Make sure it's got its shots. Yeah. I just present that with my passport. And, yeah. Okay, you're good. So I kind of think you'd have to have the same sort of thing coming back with a big ass rabbit. I guess, yeah. Yeah. Because those rabbits are big. Some of them, yeah. <laughs> What, it's what a, a pet right now, but it's going to be meat very soon. What is what is that rabbit? The the really big ones. Oh, oh, I can't. If you hadn't asked me the question, I probably could have come up yeah. with a name. Does it start with a P or something like that? I was thinking of a place. Flemish. Flemish. Giant Flemish. Giant giant Flemish hair or something. Yeah, something like that. Those but, suckers are. That's like a dog. Yeah. Oh, so maybe I just say it's my dog. It's my dog. My dog's deformed. <laughs> yeah, you got something against deformed. Don't make fun of my dog. <laughs> Dogs, Mr. Customs my guy? My poor dog. Yeah. He's sensitive. <laughs> He's so sensitive. <laughs> He's going to hop away. <laughs> all right. Well, if that's all you've got then. That's all I've got. Uh, well, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to all our uh, podcasts, all 210 of them now on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. If you go to the episode page on Paddling Adventures Radio, you can download them or stream them live on all, yeah, all of them are there. Yeah. So, yeah, no reason not to find them. 
<laughs> uh, if you've been enjoying this sh- this podcast and this show, uh, please share it with people you know. Uh, we're trying to get uh, you know people out there informed that this podcast is is there. Yeah, and happening. I Why? hear it's fun to listen to. So yeah, well, share it around. All those people that keep coming up to us saying, "Hey, love your podcast." You can't all be wrong. <laughs> Just most of them, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> poor judgment. Yeah, poor judgment on all of their behalfs. Explains a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's about it, man. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for listening this week. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Dark Spest. We'll see you next time. 